Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your alternate Monday? Fantastic, Dennis. Uh, we had a good, fun, uh, friend weekend. So. Yep. Yep. Long I weekend. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm recovered. Took me a <laughs> took me a day or two, I think. But uh, I I went to bed last night in my own bed here in the camper. And it was probably like 10, mm-hmm. which is at least two hours and on average like four, sometimes five hours earlier than I normally go to bed. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, just a full a full weekend, full like four or five nights of staying up too late, waking up kind of early, uh, uh, bad choices. Yeah, and uh, and and good times with good friends. I was, I was. Uh, I was this invokes the 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 Gen Con exhaustion type thing. Where, where of you're course, just yeah. kind of done. Where after you push yourself for too long, for too hard. And um, I had that Sunday, and I thought, man, I just all I want to do is just get home and you know spend time in my own bed and sit in my own shower, and you know. And then go to go to bed, like you said. Go. I was just going to go to bed at eight, or whatever. But I had last two nights. I've had since then. I've it's been like struggling to go to sleep. Like I'll go to sleep and lay down, and be really, really exhausted, but just cannot fall asleep and hmm. do everything I can. And then you find out it's one thirty in the morning, and then you got to get up at at six thirty, and right. it's just a, I, I I think I've caught up, and I'm I'm doing good. Caught up, caught up, and I'm I'm doing better, but. <laughs> It was, as you said, a, a great weekend with lots of friends. And a lot of times what we do, especially you, me, and our buddy Trotsky is, is the worst. Uh, and Fox um, does a good job of keeping up. But we stay up way too late and lose track of time, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, we – so you went – the last night you went home because you had said, mm-hmm. And um, the other uh, – Pete, Aaron, Trotsky, and I – went to the atlas and then liz joined us for a while and we left there fairly early which, like, which is a, a a bar for, for those listening right right uh um liz is not a people person and uh th- mm-hmm. that's, that's probably the wrong way to say that but i don't i'm certain she does not listen to our show um <laughs> <laughs> though pete might knock on us um and we still left pretty early. Like, I think it was probably before midnight because um, Fox and Trotsky and I went back to Trotsky's and we watched a movie out on the back patio because it was like the only night that was that was conducive to that. It was like too windy the first night and then it was raining the second night um, and it was too cold the third night or something like that. And uh, yeah, so we we barely managed to stay awake and watch a movie. And uh, and then left, you know, the out of towners all left in the morning. But, right. Uh, so 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 to recap for those who are, are joining and not sure what we're talking about, uh, our our buddy in front of the show, uh, Fox from Geek Scholar Movie News, had, and and uh, Jill from Geek Scholar Movie News came into town um, to hang out. It's primarily, I guess, for Fox's birthday, right, or just to kind of hang out time. I think and, so. Uh, Com- combination of both, like they. They love it here, and this um, this visit was notable because they brought their son Nathan, um, who is nine, ten. Why do I not know that? 
Do you know? That sounds about right, though. It's 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 something something like that. Uh, right. Our group is not um, is not particularly kid friendly. I know that you uh, bring your daughter to the game nights, and uh, yep. I'll look forward to hearing about that therapy bill. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Sure. Um, yeah, it was great. He was he was very excited to come and play games, and everybody was very impressed impressed that he um, stuck it out through an entire game of Eclipse. Um, I was not in that game, but you were. I think it went, including breaks and everything, it went like seven or eight hours. Yeah, and let me let me uh, tell you, for uh, for a, a kid his age, he was involved the whole time and mm-hmm. and very like when it's his turn, he was knowing what he's doing, strategic. He he really like in the gameplay, he fit right in, no no problem, and and was even like, and I'm not just saying this is like oh it's a you know nice thing to say to a kid, but like he was. You know, having discussions with other players that he started with strategic moves and what things that should do yeah. and kind of like, hey, if you do this, I'll do that because I'm thinking about doing this where they of his own thing. So he had a plan several times and he would but he would need other people to work with him. And so he would come up and, and we're talking about like nine years old. It's that's pretty impressive. And and I was yeah. really it's the first time that I played games with Nathan. Uh, we I, I've known him for, for a little bit, but um, never actually played games. And he he did great. I also we, we I've seen him play some other games with other people, long games as well. He played Power Grid and uh, mm-hmm. I think War Whispers, which are all yeah. fairly complex games, um, yeah. and was right there in with them. So that's pretty good. I know Sydney was Sydney was doing what I would consider complex games, um, like seventh grade. So that's about ten to twelve, I think, is what it was. So he's mm-hmm. been doing it for a bit. Um, got it. He's going to have a big jump on other kids when he. They start, you know, playing that. Yeah, yeah, and I heard some of the some of the negotiations with some, you know, because our friend group are all adults and mostly mm-hmm. middle age plus, with a couple of a couple in their thirties, um, or or a little younger. One in his twenties, your brother. My brother, yeah, he's 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 not fully in the group, I don't think, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's coming around more, which is cool. Um, that what was the story i think it was during eclipse he nathan made some deal with justin and oh that was was four whispers he's like he's like i know that if i if i make this alliance with you i'm I'm probably not gonna win but i just wanna i want to make an alliance i think that would be cool and it's Mm -hmm. that kind of like finding your own fun in the game and not getting so wrapped up in the winning part of it which is something I struggle with and I know Justin struggles with too um and it's just funny to see the like um you know that sort of maybe more mature perspective um from yeah a, for sure from a very I mean, young for, person for sure I was um you know when sometimes you get that uh, well we I, I, we've had this discussion with the uh, uh, ICG con about like you know age ages and who's coming and stuff like sure, that a lot of times sure. When you talk a lot to of people, a lot about, of guys in that in that group, and I shouldn't just say guys, but there are a lot of parents in that group that have, you know, some some older kids that they come around and you know next generation kind of thing, and yeah, and 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 or when they're younger, the the discussion is always like, you know, well, you have a kid, it changes the whole thing, and then it's it's just not, you know, you we do it to get away from kids type stuff, but <laughs> um, but 
the, the thing is, it's you know, all kids aren't built alike the same way. You know, people aren't all built the right, same, built the right. same way. Um, so, you know, Sid is long fit in with playing games and, and, you know, being able to keep up and stay up and be a part of it all. And so is Nathan. Um, and, and then some, in the ICG con group, some of the other kids that we've had kind of, we call them kids. They're like 16 to 18. Right. Um, uh, are, are all fit in. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, all ages can, you know, do it. Obviously you have to put up with some, uh, uh dudes being dudes sometimes, but <laughs> that, that's, that's a, not too terrible. that's a, um, interesting. That's a way to say that. <laughs> uh. Right. Uh, but anyway, so uh, all that side stuff again, that they, they, they came into town this weekend and, um, just to hang out and have a good time and, uh, play a lot of lots and lots of games. Um, so, and you had come into town as well, mm-hmm. and that was. And I know that you and them stayed over at our buddy Trotsky's house, also a friend of the show. Um, and uh, so that that kind of means when you're staying over, it's one thing when you live in the area, then you just go home and you're there for the day. Then you come, you know, you go back and right um, start start the day at noon. But I know that it's you know it's it's just a whole whole different world when you stay at a place, pass out in a place, and then kind of crawl out of bed, walk down bleary eyed, and then it starts right away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Figure. I mean, things did not start right away, but I did. Well, I mean, I mean, just know. talking with friends and yeah, discussing yeah. things. You, you're and, in a different place. You have a different routine, you know? Yeah. For me, it was trying to figure out how to make coffee and somebody else's coffee maker. And um, <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and then yeah. you can walk in and sit down and maybe like Pat's there and you guys start talking about something. It's, it's like, right. a right. you know, I've always said that, like, if if we lived in a world where the guys could just, you know, guy friends could just be roommates forever, that'd be, I don't know why we just didn't do that. And then your wives <laughs> lived in a different place altogether, too. That would be great. You know? Like like uh, like medieval, like kings and, and nobles where the, the husband and wife have separate rooms, bedrooms. Yeah, yeah. You just, you know, you you, uh, you just date forever. Right, you're you're right. married and have a relationship, but you, you're you know you're still in a, a dating mentality. So that's the at way. The, at the end of the day, you both go home and uh, yeah, hang out with your friends and play play uh, Super Mario Brothers. You know, play, that's how it play, is. play games all night. I know uh, <laughs> Trotsky made the observation, and this is a little bit uh, similar to way back the first year I did ICGCon, and we uh, I think that was when we had uh, Mike Pentinas on, but. Um, just the comparison between like Gen Con is this, but this other gathering is is something different. And in the case of ICG Con, it's very much like we're gaming all the time. Like until people are too tired or inebriated to play more games, we're going to keep playing games. We're not going to do anything else. And right. that, that varies a little bit from year to year. But um, one of the differences with this that, that Trotsky observed is that there's no there's nothing there's nowhere to go like there's no um like when we're at gen con people schedule events and there's things to do people want to go down to the hall and walk even if they don't have events uh people want to go out to eat um all that kind of stuff and that's not everybody right but it is enough such that people are floating in and out of the house even if we're all staying in one place which has only been a thing for the last four or five years five Mm -hmm. six years whatever um where here it's like especially for him because it was at his house and yeah. for those of us staying at his house like there's no there was never any like 
we weren't playing games all the time, but it's like there's no reason to get up early, so there's no reason to go to bed early, and so it just became this sort of marathon of uh, of good times. Yeah, yeah, I I uh, I see the the gathering. Uh, in that kind of light, the, these kind of gatherings, as opposed to like a, an ICG con, for for me, it's the ICG con is the lock the lock in type thing. Whereas, the difference between, uh, uh, say, a Fox Den con or someone comes in is is a a leaving thing. Like people leave and come back and float in and out type stuff, mm-hmm. um, yeah. as opposed to, to the people who are li- staying there. But oh, the re- most of the people are kind of floating in and out and oh is pat there no pat left or is, is pete there no he left or he's here oh pete's here you know there's justin and they go out and do other things besides just this um right not that they don't spend a lot of time there they do but it, that's that's a, a different thing that than gen con like you said they leave and go to to do other events with stuff uh, i think with this weekend people go and kind of live for a few hours their own normal lives um, you know, check in with their spouses or whoever that might be. Um, right. And then ICG con is a people go away for three, four days and just that, you know, and sit in that house yeah. for that long. Uh, so they're, they're just very different kinds of things. Um, well, obviously with all different kinds of people, but at the end of it, we have, we all, at all of them, we all play lots of good games, good times hanging out to each other and that will bring us to our actual topic here of uh, the games that we've played um it's, yeah, it's a nice thing we've, as we've amped we... on this uh <laughs> on, on the, the high level of this for long enough yeah i uh um I, we're very we've said this before you and i have that we're very fortunate that we do enjoy board games and um oftentimes you can enjoy playing board games but you only play them a couple times a year Right. You, sure. Sure. Um, I, I played Catan once and that was really fun. And then next year somebody asks if I want to play it again. And it's like, that's really cool. I enjoyed it last time. Like, but we like it enough that we'd, we would play it every week, not Catan, but um, you know, these kind of games all the time. And there are just endless amounts of them, you know, seriously, it feels like infinite amount of games. Uh, being Yeah. That, that was, never played th- that actually was my, um, my entrance into, the board gaming world also uh r.i.p klaus tuber who invented Catan. uh Catan, Catan. um before i moved to bloomington i had a group of friends um up in indianapolis well group of friends uh the guy who was sort of my housemate and a family that we knew who would invite us over for like sunday afternoon dinner and then we would play uh, they called it settlers we'd play settlers and that was my like first maybe maybe first like whatever whatever you call like new i used to call them craft board games but um like like post euro games euro games like um you know non or post monopoly risk scrabble sorry all the games we grew up with um was the first like new like real new not like oh this is bible monopoly or whatever <laughs> like yeah, right. first new new game and i was like what is this this with these th-? and we you know played the heck out of it and did the expansion and we played i don't know if we played every week but we would do the like um get together and play a game and maybe play another game 
if it went fast enough, we'd play two games in the same, not different games. We'd play Settlers of Catan twice, um, which yeah. is a thing our group does not do unless the unless the game is like um, uh, Ink and Gold or something that takes, <laughs> right. you know, half an hour. This weekend, I think it was the one weekend that we actually broke, not with our rule, but broke that trend because we, we played Heat twice, which is not necessarily mm. a short, short game. But you're right. Yeah, we usually don't. We got so many things to do. You know, not time to play but, twice. But but separate days, right? Yes, two different days. Or yeah, we didn't play them back to back. Right. I I only played it once. But yeah, and right. I mean sometimes that happens. You have enough people. Like this was the same group of people both times. Of yeah, course, right. for us, like we have enough people, and a lot of good games only play four, five, whatever, and you get yeah. you know, hey, I you know one person wants to play it again, and maybe another person gets in it twice, but then you know a couple new players can get in on. Yeah, so we we got to uh, to to play some new things and some old things again. Um, I, I don't think we really have a lot of time to go on deep dive on all of them, but we can kind of give a bit of an overview. Um, I kind of sure. would like to hear your experience um, playing Earth in real life, which is a game mm-hmm. we've talked about on the show. Uh, but you know, I, I'd like to know how you felt about it in, in real life. Uh, we I mentioned the game called Heat. Um, it's a racing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got it's got a really neat mechanics to it. Uh, the way it plays, uh, it's a card management game, I guess. Everybody has the same kind of deck, and you're managing the the, the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it mixed with uh, a racing with little little race cars on a racetrack. Um, right. And 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 it's it's really solid. It's a solid like mechanics and everything. Very simple and straightforward. There's not a lot to. So real, I mean, you have a lot of decisions, and your decisions absolutely matter. But it's your choices on each turn aren't like unlimited type stuff. So you, right, it keeps things kind of going, um, and it does it turns happen pretty quickly. I, I would play it with a lot of different kinds of people. Um, it's, I say this with a grain of salt. I would say it's my favorite racing game. Well, no, I actually like the one that's not really a racing game. What's the one? It's it's a deck builder, dice kind of game. Automobiles, automobiles. I thought I actually like automobiles, but it doesn't feel really feel too much like a racing game. This one's definitely a racing game in the Formula D type stuff. But mm-hmm. if you've ever played Formula D, um, this is that, but way more intuitive and easier to get your handle on, and considerably less rules. Um, so I mean, he, he, I mean, maybe we've only played simplified rules, right? Or at least I I only played that one time. So oh, the, the the non simplified rules aren't that don't add too much. Like aren't that much because because I know in Formula D we played that in real life. We only ever played basic rules, and then yes, and it's complicated with the basic rules. And and we played. I was in a tournament at Gen Con one year with mm-hmm. uh, with Pat and Pete, and of course in a tournament they're going to use advanced rules. So I learned yeah. the advanced rules and. It's fine. It's just a very different um, thing. And I appreciate that about games. Like, if they have a sort of basic mode. I know for Earth, there's not a huge difference between the starter mm-hmm. rules and the and the full advanced rules. Um, and so you just have to... I don't know how you would simplify a game like that. But, you know, it's like teaching somebody Carcassonne and you do it without farmers or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Heat was interesting because, um, you know, there are three 
possibly four uh, car racing games that we play a lot. Um, not to be confused with all of the horse racing games that there are now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is, there's only like four. But um, they are all very different. I would say the biggest weakness to Formula D is the dice, right? It's very random. And it also Auto- feels like it's got a lot of pvp to it it feels like there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of sort of take that blocking the car's block and and all that kind of stuff and there's a little bit of that in automobiles too automobiles has especially if you play with all of the extra rules like with drivers and um the different power cards and stuff there are so many bonuses to your um to your deck or your bag of cubes as it is in in the case of that game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that it's just hard to i mean it's it's still sort of balanced but there are there are a few things about it that are broken and it kind of it, it kind of breaks it becomes a little more of a game and a little less of a race simulator because some just really unrealistic things are happening when you get the right combination of cubes drawn or whatever um heat does feel tighter like it's more um it's less random right like you yeah yes you're still drawing cards and you know the the randomness of a deck of cards is is what it is but it's more than like in formula d where you you're trying to get around the corner and you're just hoping that you don't roll above a 12 on the d20 (laughs) or whatever dice you're in for whatever gear you're in like that is clever that different dice for different gears but it still is is really random where um with heat you can count it out right you can play conservatively and count it out and get to exactly where you want to go and not take any extra heat um and be fine uh and so i liked that i don't really have any have any major complaints about it i know our our buddy fox had a had a rough time because he couldn't get his head in the space for the strategy and i don't know if it was the time of day or having talked to you about it on the podcast before i just sort of knew that was like okay i need to take this track we also or take this heat i know that the track is also set up pretty easily for you know take a lot of heat in this part of the track and then cool it off in all these turns on the other side of the track um which helped me i know fox and i the next day talked about a game called trek 12 which is a mountain climbing uh, roll roll and write game um and i we played it on board game arena for a while and i just stopped fox stopped inviting me because i was like i was like don't invite me to this i can't i just can't do it like my brain thinks the strategy should be one thing that it's not. And I can't like, I can really focus and concentrate and like push that instinct down, but then I'll forget like the next, I'll know that it's there. And I'm like, Oh really? I want to connect this four to this, this, uh, this one, two, three. And it's not, I don't get as many points that way. And it's counterintuitive and is just a, you know, it's a kind of cognitive dissonance. Um, he had that with the heat like he he very much wanted to win without taking heat like heat to him felt like wear in automobiles or damage 
in in formula d and couldn't like he just really struggled to get past it which i get like you know you just get an idea in your head of of how it's going to work but in terms of the game itself um yeah i've i've no complaints about it and especially in real life on a board it's i don't think i've ever played automobiles in real life um but i've done uh done formula d a couple times um and yeah there's i don't really have anything bad to say about it 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 might be i've only played it the once and i came in second only to pete so that was a good uh a good first experience which is probably mm-hmm. bi- biasing my uh that's not how that works but um my my memory of the experience but uh yeah i liked it a lot yeah yeah i i, I agree i thought uh my hang up with the the theme is always a thing I, I don't you know i enjoy watching like i can go to a race just like i enjoy fishing or or uh, golf like i like the the leisurely aspect kind of which sounds funny for a racing game it's always like a hype and adrenaline but um I enjoy that it's kind of a cool thing to do. I enjoy that in real life, but it's not, just it doesn't do anything for me in like board games. It, it never has, and sure. Um, and and I think it's be, it might have something to do with that um, the PvP anxiety of like you know you look you know every racing game is going to be me versus you to to stop you from you know cutting a corner or or crashing you or something like that which is it feels just off the bat the whole theme feels adversarial um and i'm not knocking adversarial games i play those games all the time but just every racing game is 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 that um so barring that uh it's it's a pretty good game and i and i really enjoyed that one uh we played eclipse which i kind of have talked about on this this show before so if you want to know about clips go look back at some old show notes um but long and short of it is that it's a about four to six hour game that um it was it was spaceships and they're very cool spaceships like every person has very unique and different miniatures other spaceships uh some people call it uh twilight imperium light mm-hmm. um I, they're very different games but they both have big maps with you know lots of little miniatures and stuff um but the game is is fairly straightforward and and you can understand it really easily and has a lot of variety every time you play. Uh, you really feel like you've made your own ships. And, and the primary thing about that game that everybody loves, and I, I agree with, is that you make your ships. Like you can choose between like a hundred different options to make a faster or have a warp drive engines or missiles or super plasma cannons. Like you just tweak out your limited. And it keeps it it keeps it reined in because you have very limited um, ships, amount of ships and a little bit of things. So even okay. though you've got a lot of options, you only have like this slot is a shield slot. So now go pick from the shield things and that's all. And then that's what you can do. Right. And only mm-hmm. one of your slots on your ship can be a, an anything slot. Uh, sure. So you can make it different, but it keeps it balanced and um, easy to, to manage, but it is a longer game. Uh, everybody seems to, be engaged with it pretty pretty good. There is some uh, some player versus player action where you have to actually combat, do some combat, but it's not a lot. It's not a ton. It's just like Scythe is where you have to do it and you're encouraged to do it to attack the other person, 
but you're only going to do it a couple times in the game. Mm. Uh, it, although there's that that whole like at some point I'm going to have to fight. At some point I'm going to have to fight. So you get that anxiety built up, <laughs> uh, and then when you do, you're like, okay, that happened, but there's no time left in the game with the rounds that we have to do it that anyone's going to be able to do that again. So, right. you know, it's, it's a bite the bullet. So anyways, fun. I, I did happen to win that one literally by one point. Um, and I, I, I enjoy, I was really tired when I had gotten there. So I, the first half I was a little tired with it, but uh, I really enjoyed it for the most part. And I played with Pete, who's a, a great, great game player. Uh, and Pat is also a really great game player and Nathan, mm-hmm. which is, which is really fun Fox as well. So we had some really great people playing and they were all playing well, doing their, their, their best. Ozan, which is always the best wild card I can say to play for, for games. Um, so that was pretty great. H- had a good time, time playing it. You, okay. So in our, did you play Terra Nova by the I way? I did. I did play Terra Nova and I remembered you yeah. talking about this, um, okay. I don't know how much we talked about this on the air, but somewhere like in the middle of 2020, when we were peaking on, uh, you know, nightly virtual activities and board game arena and all this stuff, uh, Terra Mystica became our like big, big box. It's like maybe the biggest of these like heavy sort of Forex, um, strategy games on board game Mm -hmm. arena Uh, most of them have too many like little parts and ships and all that stuff to really work i forgot you played this first one a lot the web interface and i think we played it like at a we did a virtual game weekend right and i think we played it then um and our buddy pete who loves these kind of games he's the one who owns uh twilight imperium fourth edition yeah and i i've played that like twice um and so TM, Terra Mystica, was this game that I, 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 I struggled with and I do poorly at. And I'm like, okay, this is there's almost no randomness to this. So I should be able to wrap my head around it. And so I kept mm-hmm. uh, joining games, playing and going around and trying the different factions and doing the different things. And even I would get in games that Pete wasn't in. And so I would, <laughs> I would message him and like, okay, here's the game. Like, because he could load up the game and look at it. And he's like... All right. Well, if you do, if you do this and this, and next next turn you're hoping to get this and this, and that'll get you 14 points. But if you can do this and this and this, that's only 12. But that'll work if Jill takes the thing, the the, the, the whatever power that that you want first, because that's how that there's a little bit of worker placement in that game. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to reread his messages over the course of like 20 minutes just to understand. <laughs> the strategy that he's formulating in his head and i'm like okay this is not i'm exaggerating a little bit but that's kind of how it was and sure yeah it 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 was this sort of aspirational thing right where i'm like i would do bad at it and get frustrated like you know what i'm gonna try and push through i'm gonna try and learn and get better and you know that kind of i don't i think we talked about this last week or the week before like that balance between like trying to improve yourself as a person work in progress whatever and then getting to a point of uh saying you know what i'm okay with this like i don't i don't have to ever you you get more of that as you get older right like you never yeah i'm okay never starting a band or whatever it may be (laughs) yeah um and i know you talked about this game and 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had signed up for it on the spreadsheet beforehand yeah. and we played it and, and I liked it a lot. It, it felt more, it, it felt very much like Terra Mystica Light, which I'm sure was the intent. Oh yeah. 100%, um, I agree. Yeah. I, I do agree with Trotsky's criticism, which I think has been brought up in, in other places that the, um, um, the shipping, I guess it's called shipping, but the way that you expand your cities via ships <laughs> is still in the simplified game, and there's no, there's no real easy way to, for your brain to possess that knowledge, that information of who can, uh, plant, who can build, where based on the yeah. range of their shipping. I don't know how they fix that because it's kind of essential to the game, right? You have to build separate towns, and the only way to build uh, separate towns... I was going to say that, that, that Mike doesn't like that because that's the that's the thing that causes him to lose every time. Sure, and, sure. He, he always, he, every time I've seen him play, he's he's the one that gets blindsided by it every time. Sure. Like, everybody sure. else can kind of not, you know, or, or it's the, uh, I got blindsided, oh, I shouldn't have paid attention, no big deal. But Mike, it really, really bothers him when he gets blindsided by it. Because I think it is because, as you said... That game, you could basically see things. You know what's happening. Right. You you right. and and you can look at the board that, and you that, can see all the information, but there's this piece of information that's obfuscated. Like you could figure it out, but you would have to look at everybody's board and see what their chipping range is, and it, that's not practical in a real, uh, you know, in person board game. Um, yeah. So so that that I think that's the one thing. Like you get used to playing a game where you know you feel it like chess that you have full understanding and then when this one thing blindsides you it, you get real bothered by that and i can right. understand that i didn't i don't mind that thing because you have to in it's not one of those things that everyone does so it's a it's a part sure. of the game that yes it might be hard to track but if you see someone getting that then you just have to be aware that they can do that right. and when they do that thing in that game you shouldn't be surprised that they do that sure sure right i um it, for for me personally, it didn't bother me. I definitely played. I might have even come in last, but mm-hmm. I think I think maybe because of my experience with Terra Mystica, which again I've not yeah. played in years. Like we all kind of dropped off it. I think I wasn't the first. I know that you and a couple others like dropped off it right away and were like, "Yeah, I don't need to. I don't yeah, need yeah. to get good at this game. This is too. This is too much. Pete's always going to win and." If if Pete's not in the game, then Jill is probably going to win, and I'm Jill's going to win, right? Yeah. And so I think maybe that, and depending on what day we played it, I sort of went into it with a, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna accomplish my goals, but I'm not gonna try and be, you know, mean or or competitive with people. Um, and so I think I was last or second to last, and I didn't really mind because I was just trying to keep up with all the mechanics and do the thing that would give me bonuses for my faction. Um, yeah. And, and it was fine. I don't, um, it's, that's it's good. An, that's good to hear. Cause I, it's, it's I, enough I, lighter like I than the original that I would, I would probably play it again with the same kind of like lowered expectations. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm for myself and my and my capability in the game. Like nothing against the game itself. It just is 
it is Terra Mystica Light with all the pros and cons that uh, um, that go along yes. with that. I uh, I um, have the same feelings that I had before with it, and um, that I had with Terra Mystica. That's what I'm glad to hear that that someone who enjoyed Terra Mystica enjoys this game because um, there was for all the reasons I said before why I, I I don't really care for it or I got it earlier. Not that it was bad or anything. It's just not not for me. Um, is the same reason I'd say that this is also not for me. Uh, it's just, I, I played it. I was like, okay, yeah, this is Terra Mystica Light, but I wasn't a fan of Terra Mystica. So uh, I'm glad I played it once, but I won't play it again. Um, nothing bad, just you don't play games that you don't t- tend to enjoy. Um, sure. But people who do enjoy the first one or had a good experience with it, like you, and it's good to know that you also like this one pretty good. Because I would say that if I was going to... Uh, um, recommend this game to people i would only recommend terra nova and not terra mystica right uh so anyway uh yeah so that's that that's those are the big ones uh let's close this topic out because we're really really running long on this um so earth is a game that we've talked about i think twice on the show in the last couple weeks Mm -hmm. uh, that we we both kind of enjoy but there's a lot of overhead we played we've always played it on board game arena which does all of the management it on board game arena. It has a wonderful interface that gives us all of the information we want at our mouse fingertips. Um, and it <laughs> seems like there's just a ton of it that we have this wonderful interface to thank for with a ton of pieces on board game arena. And now you played it. And I think Fox was the one that brought it in real life with all the bits and pieces and stuff. Tell us, tell us who have heard about this <laughs> game from board game arena how did it go on uh pros and cons to in real life yeah so so i played this with um with trotsky and jill fox went to bed he didn't he didn't play um and we the four of us including fox played it together the first night you know we heard about it that it was on board game arena i think i i mean i know that Trotsky and Fox both knew about it because they follow all the board game news. Yeah. Um, and we had a good time and started some turn-based games after that. Uh, Fox, Jill, and I had this whole, and I think Trotsky popped in at some point, we had this whole conversation the next morning about different games, the like, we've talked about board game arena extensively on this podcast. I almost call it a program, like a <laughs> boomer. Um, talked about board game arena and we i am now of the opinion that there are three categories of games um some are better in person some are some are better on board game arena but only in real time and some are fine uh maybe even better on board game arena turn-based uh for for me a good example of best played on board game arena turn base is uh potion explosion um, because there's very little player interaction but a high potential for analysis paralysis and so when i can just pop in do my puzzling with the marbles and pop out and when it takes trotsky half an hour to decide his marble (laughs) puzzle i am not stuck there waiting um Earth is a little bit of both. Um, It's a rare case where I often say Board Game Arena is a bad platform to learn a game because it's a good platform to play a game 
without understanding the rules because sure, the, yes, the, the interface the interface keeps you from doing anything you're not allowed to do right yes. and so you can just look at it and go well here's what i can do i'm going to click on it and that's and that's it and you can get through a whole game right. that way i've done it many times uh but <laughs> then you play you know i played half a dozen games of potion explosion before i understood how the scoring works where that, if you play funny. a game in real life you at least at the end of the first game have to know how scoring works because you have to yeah. add up your own score. I mean, unless you're right, yeah. a kid and a, an, an adult does the score for you, but you know, I was yeah. in my twenties when I played settlers of Catan. So that's never been the case for me. Um, and, um, but earth I think is, there is enough that you have to understand just to play it like i mean maybe it, this might be because we played it first on board game arena in real time and so we had this sort of joint discovery right of like i want to do this what does this symbol mean and the other person could just tell you and it also um as we said a couple weeks ago when we talked about this it had really good tool tips and all this all this stuff um and so we played just three players I don't know how it would work with the full five players. Um, one of the things that is nice about playing in real life is even though you have less detail in the information available, yeah, there's so much information in this game with the player board and the tableau and the center board with the fauna and the, and the ecosystems that apply to all the players. Um, in real life, you can just look at all of that. It's all spread out on the table, on a big table, right? right? It's not a, I mean, it's not Twilight Imperium size, but it takes up a lot of space. Um, and on Board Game Arena, you have to scroll around, right? You're like, okay, here are my hands. Here's my hand, my cards. And I'll scroll down to my board and see what those things are. And then I'm going to look over here at my tableau and see what I've got going on here and then i want to scroll all the way down to the fauna so that i can click the button like there's a button that tells you your progress on the on the fauna cards that you don't have in real life like in real life you have to look at it maybe pick it up read it read it again look at your tableau yeah. count how many of your cards fit that thing you have to do all that yourself that the yeah. interface would do for you but you can glance out and go okay i could look over there and see you know, Jill's building a bunch of trees because I can see the little bits, you know, stacked up. Mm, you can see but, a little bit more, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is cool. I think, I think for me, I would do it either way. I think even though I've started and now joined another one, um, it's probably weakest uh, on board game arena turn based because there's so okay. much like ongoing strategy there are definitely worse games for that um i think it's a wonderful world is a really bad one because you do this like drafting the cards and then you're going to do different things with the cards and so when the drafting takes four days you've forgotten what you were going to do with the earliest yes, cards that you for drafted sure, for sure um where earth especially in turn-based where you have time you have all the time you need to look at your situation and figure out what's going on there's enough like more logic to it um that you that i think it's easier 
to figure out what you were doing, right? The the goals are there and you can click on them and it's definitely slower than playing in, uh, in real time, but you know, that's true of of most of these things except for yeah. I don't know, like can't stop or something. Um but it was it was good. Like I understood what I needed to do. There was only one part of the rules that I found out just earlier today that I didn't know, which is that you have to activate your tableau in a specific order. Um, Are you cheating and doing it in any order? I was doing it in different order. I mean, <laughs> cheater, I cheater. I, I, I don't, I don't know much. <laughs> I don't know much of it that mattered in terms of like, this has to be done before that. Um, the thing that frustrated me was there was at least one point where I'm like, did I, do that okay let me back up and like start my whole turn over because i'm like i gotta do this i gotta do this count all my little uh dirt tokens because um i wasn't sure if i had paid for a thing and i had i just had to go through all the actions where i would get dirt and go okay i did this 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 and this that gives me eight and i built a card that cost three and so me having five is right um right or whatever um but yeah it was good it was if if I had just looked at the box like and all the components, I would have been probably intimidated enough by it to never play it in real life. But sure, a- I can after we that. after we played it in real time on Board Game Arena, I was like, I think I understand this well enough that I could play it in real life. Um, so that was okay. a That's that was good. a that was a kind of a unique experience. As far as the game itself, we've talked about that at length. Um, one of the things I realized again, playing it in real time is that even though it's competitive, it's not combative. Um, because I had a point where I was like, oh, we had the, the fauna, the, the monkey, the gorilla, whatever that you need to build four trees. And I'm like, what happens if you don't? And we also had an ecosystem where you get points for every tree up to seven. And I had this picture of like, what if somebody were hoarding all the tree cards then, then I realized <laughs> there's no card interaction. I draw cards off the deck. I compost cards into my um, compost pile. And then I sometimes discard cards. But nobody ever can get cards out of the discard. So right. my cards are all mine. We're all drawing from the same deck. We're all discarding into the same discard. But it doesn't matter. We're not passing hands. We're not, right. as I said, nobody's drawing from the discard. The only thing, um, the only thing that's at all competitive is who gets to the fauna first, and yeah, even that is not is not huge in terms of score swing. It's more about like, did you meet all your goals? Um, you're did you're you, all. Did you play the ba- did you play the basic or the the advanced? No, we played normal. So we had the okay. the descending sort of card value so trotsky was was frustrated when when i got to we we thought we got it at the same time but one of my board cards counted and i asked them because i was like i don't know if these count and they were both like oh yeah those count and i'm like oh well then i technically got that last turn when i built this other one (laughs) or planted this other one uh and and trotsky was salty about losing those like six points or whatever the difference is (laughs) um but yeah, it was, uh, and so that's, you know, it's whether you like that kind of thing. I, I think most people, some people are hard, like only co-op games and some people yeah. never want to play co-op games because <laughs> depending on your, your gaming group, a cooperative game can be much more 
emotionally intense and argument causing than a competitive game. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, but I think most people want to mix, right? That like, if it's a, f- and, and you know, some people are like, they don't want the, the games that are a combo, the games that don't seem like fighting games, but can be depending on the people you're playing against, right? Like ticket to ride doesn't seem like a player versus player game, but if you're playing against somebody who knows the map and knows the routes really well, they can absolutely cut you off, not even really out of spite, but just to keep you from achieving your goals so that they win. And it can turn what should be a little more um, um, friendly racing experience into a, you know, a much more contentious um, um, kind of thing. And, And this game doesn't even really have the have the a potential for that in the way that it's designed yeah and yeah, so i like uh... it it's you know it's got the simultaneous play you're all kind of working towards the goals there are a million ways to score um which is fine because you never meet all your all your goals so again to take it back to ticket to ride you don't have that like well i had these three goals and i met them all but i still came in last place uh, yeah. because I didn't do this this one other thing. Like, you do all the goals, and the the score is high, but it's still, the, the point spread is pretty tight. Um, and it was also, like, the second to last night of the, of the weekend, so we all, especially Trotsky and I, were very tired and fatigued, but had no mm. problem and, and got through it. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Awesome. That's that's good to know because I I do enjoy, I actually do enjoy these kind of games and again we won't repeat how it goes but I, I um, for all the reasons you kind of said there about it being cooperative but not and um, what what the the I think the biggest PVP part of it is the race like you you race to that middle to get your those things and then um, you race to the end of the game right like yeah who can yeah get, it's almost get, a you know, it's, it's almost a parallel play. Um, kind of thing which i know some people don't like but it also moves really fast for how complicated it is again because of the simultaneous play because you're all doing stuff and the and there is one other way in which you interact in that everybody follows your action right which is you're interacting with the other players but it's positive right what they did is going to allow you to do a bunch of stuff and so i i I would i would say that it it is it is a, um, probably as fun as it is. It's probably one of the worst asynchronous games that you can play. I, mean, I really love asynchronous games, but just because because of those, you're, oh, you're turn, doing things all turn at the based same on time. BGA. You mean? Yeah, because it just yeah. takes forever to play when, for because you have to do every turn and everything with everybody else. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, would the, not recommend all on that, but but, but the, definitely the thing so we both that like that one. The thing that makes it really good in real time or in person makes it kind of bad in in turn-based yeah yeah uh cool okay so there was a lot of stuff we did there went went through this weekend um and and played there there was other games we've played before that we won't discuss war of whispers um uh, lords of water deep etc aaron and i played a two-player variant uh i think i think probably custom custom version of uh, uh uh sushi go that was pretty fun Oh, cool, cool. Um, and we had there was lots of sushi and pizza and 
and uh, stuff like that. So good, yep. good, good times. Good times. All right, so we'll wrap that one up for for this this time this year's go with Fox birthday type thing. Um, <laughs> good times. Well, let's while we can get into it, let's. Uh, we all did. We did get together. We have a different thing for our our movie this week. It's uh, than we usually would do. It's uh, you know we we watch uh, movies that you know we hadn't seen in a while and we discuss them or one of us hadn't and, and are, are of interest this this time we did a an actual real movie um a so we all movie. got together for this weekend so, sorry i didn't say real movie today i mean a new like, you said real movie a new movie new movie yeah uh, a movie that's out in theaters and this one was like it launched this like a day before yeah um and we went as a group and a, so there's that there's a different way we'll probably talk about it with the what's it called the mob mentality or something like that sure um and uh but yeah so that's let's talk about our movie of the week all right this week we watched dungeons and dragons colon honor among thieves from 2023 starring chris pine uh michelle rodriguez who else was anybody? Oh, oh, uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. I was going to say, and uh, a, Simon was somebody that's been in some movies before. Yeah, yeah, and some other. I don't, I don't recognize Simon. And for once, I don't have IMDb open. I'm going from memory because it was mm-hmm. like five days ago. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but yeah, uh, we, yeah. we watched the D and D movie. It's, it's Dungeons and Dragons, man. This this is kind of like a an up our alley type thing. Uh, I know you've not seen the old one, but I can just, as we've said before, it's yes, it's, it's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which you know, always makes you sad when something you love get gets made to a terrible thing. Yeah. Um, so to have this come out was a, uh, I don't say scary proposition, but one of those like, oh, am I going to be hurt again? You know, <laughs> that type thing. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm ready to be hurt again. It's been 23 years. C- correct. And, uh, uh, so, uh, do you want to do? Did you think? Do you want to do? Um, like first impressions first, but and then get into spoilers. How how deep do you want to get into this? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, because we can in wrap up. We can talk about what we how we felt. But um, the, I can say that um, I was uh, I did I only watched like one trailer. I want to say of this mm. um, intentionally trying to do everything I can to stay away from from things in the movie because oftentimes in trailers you get the best of the movie and then that's it. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to save that. So uh, that was good. I don't know what was in the trailers or anything, so I don't know if the stories. But I, I say that to say I didn't know it was based in the Forgotten Realms. A lot of times anything, even like the straight-to-video D&D type stuff, is always in what's ca- uh, called Greyhawk, which is the, just the general D- – any general D&D world. Oh, interesting. Um, it's it's not a – it's very generic. It was like the first D&D world Greyhawk. Um, okay. But this was set in the, uh, an actual campaign setting – a very popular one called the Forgotten Realms, um, with countless books being set in there and games and adventures and stuff. There were, since second edition, I think uh, Forgotten Realms came out. Yeah, because because of the way that I came to, uh, I'm going to put quotes around D and D as in like the non trademark D and D, whatever you call that, TRPG mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I came to Pathfinder, right? I played Pathfinder sure. first, and in Pathfinder, the world is called Inner Sea. Inner, yeah. inner sea, ocean. Um, and when I... And I've only really dabbled in official D&D, 5th edition. Um, 
stuff. And that was my understanding that, that Faerun and, and Forgotten Realms is one's planet, one's continent. All uh, There's all the details. But that that was the official setting. And then, of course, um, the system is such that you can, you know, make your own world and set it in whatever you want to do. It's flexible. Um, yeah. You don't need... That's the, that's the setting for the official... Um, in Pathfinder, it's called Pathfinder Society, but the it's adventure adventures guild or guild, yeah, so, something like organized play where everybody's playing the same stories and they'll publish adventures with towns and um, both systems, both publishers do this, and their their official content is set in this world. So you have references with races, not just like elves and men, but uh, you know these are the humans from this continent and these come from this city and this city's connected to this port. Like all of that world is there. If you don't want to do all of that world building yourself as, as a DM or as players, mm -hmm. that's the official setting. And so I just assumed that's what it was. Um, I don't anyway, know. Go, go, yeah. The, the, ge the generic one, as you're mentioning for Pathfinder, the, the one for D and D is Greyhawk. Um, okay. And, the the campaign setting which is like i guess you'd say a different world or universe or something mm -hmm. is uh is the, is the forgotten realms and it's a, a made there's several for D D. the the biggest ones are uh forgotten realms um dark sun there is uh dragon lance and Spelljammer, and, and they all have uh ravenloft's another one so they're all have kind of distinct things about them ravenloft is mainly a uh um undead vampire yeah. type world um I know dark sun is, is, is all uh, um i could say maybe middle eastern or desert it's very desert themed mad max even you might say and um whereas forgotten realms is is what could be considered a an actual fantasy wizards and dragons and things like that it's been right we've seen it in games like Baldur's gate Neverwinter Nights, those are all set there. Um, and like I said, countless books. So the, my, the thought here, though, is that this was set in there, which to me is really giggly and happy because the, I have always played. That's been my setting of choice. I've read everything about it. I've read so many books about it and characters and things. It's just my happy kind of place, you know, world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this one right off the bat shows starts throwing out Forgotten Realms things, which doesn't doesn't need to be like they don't make a difference. Just if it was anything, they'd say we're in the town of Bloomington. This says the town of Neverwinter. Like it doesn't matter, but if you know it, then it's special, right? Right. right? And, and they they did things like that throughout the whole movie that I really really enjoyed. And I and I again, you don't need them. They're just names or just places or locations. But having that little extra. I know the guy that was there. I can finally see it on the screen in a real kind of thing, not just my imagination or artwork, uh, a prison, you know, or a town mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. a person. It, it kind of makes it real and super fun. Uh, so that was special for me just from that standpoint there. But that's not about the movie itself, but I, I, that made me really happy. Um, and it did have... It have several D and D things in it, but it did. I don't felt it. Did, it went overboard with having to have tons of dragons. There was no beholder. It didn't have. It didn't inundate you with special spells or fireballs and things like that. Right. Um, but it did have a lot of things. But as a non non D and D person, I think it it felt pretty good. 
Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. My The closest thing I had to a complaint getting out of it was that there were a lot of what felt like Easter eggs. And, yeah, sure. I, and I think that that was influenced by seeing it with all of you. I could tell, I could hear, you know, Fox beside me, you on the other side of Fox, Pat not too far away, Chris Borland, not, actually probably more Borland than, uh, than Pat, but also my brother Andrew is big into is big into D&D stuff. And I had this like a little bit of, you know, FOMO fear missing out for like, Oh, there's, there's stuff here that I'm not getting. And, and that kind of like, it makes me a little sad and also makes me a little annoyed. Right. It's that, that Mm -hmm. whole kind of thing. But most of that is me, right. If I had watched this on my own, it would be like watching Lord of Rings without reading the books. Like, yes, they're talking about the Emin Moyle and the cities and the fall of, all these places like there's all this lore in the world yeah and you don't know it you don't know it like they're just talking about it like it's not important to the story um and as you said it could have been set anywhere they just set it in this place and use these names as a little bit of a well i'm sure it's self-promotion right because it's an official movie and they want to well, keep that's, selling their official I books think it's important right because if it, otherwise it's not a D movie it's just and this is a problem with things that have taken the D word they're just like basically you could say fantasy movie doesn't right. there's nothing that made them inherently dungeons and dragons but the fact that they set this in this world with these people and this all these kind of things as you said easter eggs it makes it a dungeons and dragons movie as opposed to a generic fantasy world movie right right, right. same and way lord of the rings was inherently middle earth not right. just some fantasy with elves. not just some 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 yeah, some elves and, and a wizard and, you know, going on this right. quest. Um, and so that's, you know, the reason I say closest thing, because it's not really, it's it's more just about me. And the more that we talked about it, I know you were in most of those conversations, but I had a couple with Fox and Trotsky and, and I think Jill too at one point. They're, they balanced this in a way that I feel like, and I don't want to spend too much time here, this is a little sticky sticky topic here but they balanced it in a way that i feel like the mcu used to do right we we spent long hours me complaining about homework for movies Mm -hmm. um you know you watch iron man and obviously that's the first one so it's but you don't need to have ever picked up a marvel comic to appreciate that movie um same i think up until Avengers. I mean, I was talking about it still before the Infinity Saga, the Infinity War and Endgame movies. How almost every movie, unless it's a direct sequel, right? Uh, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. You can almost sit down and watch with no with no knowledge, understanding at all. I mean, I've said right. m- several times I watched Avengers without having seen, I think, either Thor. I'd probably only seen Iron Man. Maybe Iron Man 2 when I watched Avengers. And I was like, oh, there's characters they introduce in another thing. Um, and so all of that to say, I don't want to get into a whole Marvel tangent. Uh, sure. Because I, I think they've fallen off of that to where now you really need to be watching everything to to know who everybody is. And there's so much that it's exhausting. But going back to this movie on its own, um, it was funny and entertaining. And if you still haven't watched it, this is... I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, I think a thing 
that might help from the only other criticism I've seen from it online is to, if you've played D&D, understand that that's the sort of, um, the, the sort of guiding principle behind the writing stuff happens, yeah. stuff happens in the movie that would seem, um, well, it's what I would call bad screenwriting, but yeah but good people playing D and D writing. There are no people yeah. playing D and D. There's no like frame. You don't see kids rolling dice or anything, which right. I don't think that's a spoiler either. Um, but I think some people struggled for like the first half hour, 40 minutes with the very like convenient way the story is written, but it's okay. exactly like a D and D campaign would be. Yeah. Um, right. The, which the is set up and telling you how things are and this is what it is and where we're at. Yeah, they 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 go to a place and the person they're looking for is right there, the solution to their th you know early on and you know all all of that kind of stuff. Um that's that's the only thing I would say outside of spoilers. Um, and, and uh before And just... if you've not you know, I'm I as as in terms of like how much you need to know, I know there're already people on TikTok who have no who don't even know what Dungeons Dragons is, who were able to appreciate this movie. I sit somewhere in the middle where I have a decent amount of knowledge about role-playing in general, but I'm yeah. missing 90, 95% of the ref. I mean, I know I recognize the names of the cities, but I don't know any of these characters um, or any of that kind of stuff. That was a little bit, you know, made me a little sad just because I watched it with a bunch of people who did. Um, but it's it's just it's just um like scenery right the the story yeah. itself you can get all of it it enough everything you need to know is explained in yeah. dialogue and exposition and whatever not overly so not you know there's no big voiceover things or whatever uh narration um but you can fully follow along and enjoy and laugh and be entertained by the whole story without any of that yeah, as an example, there's a, a thing uh, that is locked by what's called Morden Canaan's Arcane Seal. And that sounds like inside baseball. And if someone said that, they'd be like, I don't, I'm lost, whatever. But the way they say it is like, it's been locked with Morden Canaan's Arcane Seal. And then the bard goes, what is that? The guy goes, it just means that it's never going to be open unless we do this other thing. Like, mm -hmm. that, that's how they do it. They explain it logically because there's always somebody there that also doesn't know what you're talking about in the movie so that's that's that right. uh, before we launch into spoilers i will say that um uh, i wanted to echo that it or say i guess that it it the show is very much like a typical dungeons and dragons uh adventure goes now that is different between every single group in the world who's played a role-playing <laughs> game is, is yes. plays it differently and has different experiences but as someone who has DM'd for now 35 years, almost yeah, near, no, 35 years, I've DM'd and played the game for that long in multiple places with tons of different people in a professional setting, in a, you know, just personal setting, and then at, at like Gen Cons and things. I can say that this is a very good job of, of the middle, that, you know, a lot of it play, the, the show does what a lot of people do in different ways. Um, and I think some people play much more seriously and they're following rules or whatever. And there's some of that, but, but there's still 
things where somebody does a jokey thing at the board. Even if you're all serious and it's a hardcore world epic type thing, you still do a little jokey thing where you flirt with the, the, the waiter or waitress, you know, or you, mm-hmm. um, and, and somebody fails. There's always a rolling of a one and it fails, or somebody has to do something off the cuff and, and, and makes it. And those kind of things are all in this movie. Um, so it, it, they nailed the feel of Dungeons and Dragons, of playing these, uh, this fantasy role-playing game uh, that I am not seeing other things do. And, it, and if you look at this movie like that, I think you'll enjoy it. Like, if you've played it before and you say, like, oh, I can see how this would be somebody at a table and this happened. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, okay, so moving into spoilers. How's that? Okay. I'm hitting the bell. We're going to talk about the new Dungeons and Dragons movie in detail. So if you've not seen it, I don't want to get spoiled on various jokes and plot elements. Skip ahead. Uh, we sort of gave final thoughts at the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I want to start off by saying I don't think this. Well, I will say I love I love the movie. Let's just get that out. Of the place. <laughs> I, I really loved it. I'm, I'm I'm trying to already figure out in my schedule this weekend how I can go back and watch it again, um, and and enjoy it just as much the second time. But uh, I don't think this. T- Tell me if you agree with this or not. I don't think this movie is good without Chris Pine. I mean, you know, I, I that's a tough call. I'm, I'm <laughs> generally, I'm sure I've made that statement, but of course, my reflex to be like, there's somebody like they could have gotten somebody to do this insane. But he does have a, you know, he's one of those guys, and he's not the only one, but. He is one of those guys who sits pretty perfectly between nerdy and good looking. Yeah, right. And he, and he right. plays the character he's playing is that, right? He's he's a bard. Right. He is who he plays. So he's bards aren't I mean they're a little like wizardy, but not really, and they're they're a little fighty, but not really, and they're yeah, just kind my, of My right? first character was a bard. Right, and they're and they're usually good looking with high charisma, can talk really well, and he just fits that perfectly. And everything that he he does, the lines are written there, but Chris Pine's delivery of convincing somebody to do something is great. Or being funny when he's playing the the lute, but not always, right? He's not always super serious, but it it just does what it's supposed to do. He inspires the party in a normal way because of his charm or his words um, or his loot. And I'm like, oh, that's so perfect. And he's the core of the group, right? He's the one that mm-hmm. this whole thing centers around. So some of the things I thought were kind of, you know, corny. You've got these elves that are kind of are corny. I think the guy that played Simon was only okay. But when they interact with Chris Pine they were much better. Like, it's like he's bringing them all together except for Michelle Rodriguez. I think she actually did a really great job and I'm not a huge fan of hers, but yeah, um, she's, she's not. Yeah. One of my, I mean, all right. So I've been thinking while you were yeah. talking, okay. Couldn't you see Anson Mount play this character? I don't know if he'd be funny. I think that he played kind of a bardish character in that episode of where they were doing the kingdoms type stuff. Right. The, right. And and he was I loved that he had a different range with that. That was really great. But I think he was he's too w- corny there. Hmm. But but I, right. I get it. I, I get that he has the same kind of look. Um 
but I think I think it's just some of that face acting, as you as you always like to call it, that that uh, Chris Pine does. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not not and not nothing against Chris Pine. He was fantastic in this role. Yeah. I just am yeah, no. racking and, my and, brain and, and from and you like know I love Anson Mount. Yeah. There's got to be another like I kept wondering where uh, uh, Joe Manganiello, however you say his name, uh, was going to show up because he's well known on the internet for being a huge D and D nerd or right. uh, you know Witcher. Um, yeah. Superman. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Um, both of them are too physically imposing to have played this role. Yes. Right. right. Uh, right. Same with like Dwayne Johnson or any of those that also kind of walk this nerdy kind of thing. Um, I, Jack I Black think the, is a little I too the, funny, but the, um, yeah. the desire right. is to put one of those in there, right? One of those guys that are popular that wouldn't quite nail the charisma the same way. Um, but sure. anyway, well, so, would would nail the charisma, but but not quite the the almost bumbling kind of kind of um, ineptitude that and, and ineptitude is such a strong word. That's not what I mean. Right? The, like he's very complex. Like, I think it's, he's pretty. It's complex, the bard. Right? Like like he's he's funny. He's charismatic and he's useful, but he doesn't seem useful. Right. Right. But but not in the same way that the sorcerer does. And, and, um, and he mean he, he even they, there's a scene where they talk about that right where he talks about yeah. how he's like the biggest loser or things like that, mm-hmm. um, which, which is which is also another thing to say. The, I think all the characters have enough layer of complexity to them, but not too much. Where it's like we're into this big drama thing. They all have something about them and something with their pasts or a development of themselves, um, but n- not too much. Right? There's a lot to, to deal with here. Right. Um, I like the villain was cool. She's a very D and D villain where they're they're bad because they're undead evil people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Red Wizards of Thay. If you if you're a D and D person, still listen to us, you know who those are. If you're a Forgotten Realms person, uh, so they they straight up made those. Zaz Tam being the the main leader of them, who wasn't the main character bad guy, but he was mentioned. Um, yeah, we don't see him. Yeah, we actually you do. You see him when they first show the horn. He's like a, the lich looking thing that rises above and well in in flashbacks, but in like flashbacks. They, don't, they don't fight him or anything. Right. Which is often again what happens in D D is that you know that the red wizards are they are out there and they'll throw out a name like Zastam, but you're actually fighting a wizard that's them and maybe Zastam. And that happens a lot in D D. Sure. Um and, and happened here. You're 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 stopping one of the Red Wizards. She was, I thought, pretty damned intimidating and cool and scary and mean and evil, but manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um How'd you feel about Hugh Grant's character? I found out, by the way, he's a rogue. They they say that he's a rogue. That makes sense to like what what he would be. He, for the most part, just felt like Hugh Grant to me. But yeah. I wasn't I w- I wasn't upset about that. Yeah. Um. Everything that he does sort of makes sense, right? You're like, yeah, this is about what his capability would be, and sure, he would he would do this thing, and he's, um, you know has this sort of blind ambition to the point where he's basically being used by the actual villain. Um, and I think he knows so, it, right? Right. He knows that he is right. Yeah. It's a kind of like, okay, you want to do this thing and that's bad, but I'm going to get rich. So you do that. And then, and then I'm going to leave and, and it'll be fine. That's the exact sort of thing a rogue would do. Yeah. You, you, you know what they, they didn't, it's, this movie does some things great. Uh, a lot of times they, they try to push the alignment part of stuff. I think everybody here had an alignment, 
but I don't think it was overt. Even the paladin, who's supposed to be clearly lawful good, didn't feel like they're trying to make this guy overtly chaotic neutral, chaotic evil. You know, they just made him who they are as a person. But the rogue is definitely a chaotic neutral rogue who's mm-hmm. trying to, you know, out for himself type thing. And then there's a, a definitely a neutral evil uh, villain um, and such like that. But, yeah, uh, that's getting into the, the technicalities of stuff. But um, <laughs> story was, was fairly simple, straightforward. I loved the comedy that was in it. It was so well done. Uh, some favorite lines about the paladin when the paladin was just wonderful throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, the, the line about, oh, look, he even walks in a straight line. Oh, he's coming up on a rock. Mm-hmm. What's he, what's he going to do? <laughs> Is he going to go around it? Oh, no, he just, of course, he goes right over it. Um, my, my favorite, of course, because I love, you know, w- wordplay and clever writing was that mm-hmm. Chris Pine, like, just because that sentence was symmetrical doesn't make it not ridiculous or something like that <laughs> that was perfect right and and he continues yeah. to speak like that right the paladin mm-hmm. doesn't and it just yeah. and the fact that he annoys the bard so much is great right right yeah. which again i could you could see that in a D party the paladin mm-hmm. annoy, uh, annoying the bards or the rogues and the thieving type people um and and everyone every single person had had a like a cool fight type scene right like the paladin was totally awesome and used his, you know, holy sword type thing. And the barbarian had two awesome moments and the, the rogue mm-hmm. or the druid for sure. And the wizard fight. And uh, they, they really show that these characters are capable and awesome and fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, love the end. Love the, love the big combat at the end. Um, I love the, the, the spoiler. We're in spoilers here. The, how they use the, the, the big item on Michelle Rodriguez's character, Helga, I think is her name. I enjoyed Helga's penchant for halflings. That, that was pretty great. That, that was a hilarious little Easter egg. Yeah, just yeah. just happening in there. Oh, the Easter egg that with the guest star, guest person. Yeah, yeah. I did not but, see that coming. Right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, that that surprised. I mean, I wasn't not surprised, but people were more astonished by that than than I was. I was like. Okay, yeah, sure. It's another, it's another uh, uh, well-known actor in this, but just in a, a very small, literally and figuratively, role. Uh, <laughs> I guess I the w- part was that he was so small. It's just so yeah. Small. I was I was more preoccupied with that. I was like, this is like it's like Lord of the Rings, except they're just proportionally small. He just looks zoomed out. Like the hobbits, <laughs> yeah, yeah. hobbits in Lord of the Rings have different proportions. Like he just yeah. looked like a shrunken dude. Like it was. Strange. So I think that's more in some of the art. Like that's what halflings more. Uh, yeah, they're like they look in, like in, more in the Forgotten Realms. They're just like people. It's kind of like um, I guess that that thought that you were having is kind of how people, when the first time they saw regular size elves instead of Keebler size elves, they were like, "I thought elves are supposed to be this little thing." So seeing the in the Forgotten Realms, they're just normal people proportion, just smaller. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was really weird. Weird. To see yeah, and it was well, like the comedy of it was well timed because when they're just talking, I'm like, if this is his house, why does he have normal? Why does he have huge normal person chairs? Like, <laughs> like shouldn't he? And then you know they do pay off with his his new uh, uh, partner girlfriend. girlfriend yeah, um, is also barbarian, right? And I'm like, right. Oh, oh, I see. It's not just 
it's not and and you don't get the payoff for her until the end uh with the other halfling that you're like oh it's not it's in the thing with with in the scene with bradley cooper you're like oh he has a type that's hilarious right and then it's later paid off with her like oh she has a type too that is also hilarious (laughs) yeah the the um that 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 interaction was just really really wonderful because I was expecting them to like she get all offended and go into barbarian rages and fighting and then there's a big combat or something, but you know the 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 new partner came in and was very kind and understanding about it and then walked away mm-hmm. and left him and and he was just which which just made the whole scene funnier right that they, right, right and that Michelle Rodriguez that Helga was was just sad. And then she comes out and he plays her a song and they, they sing it together. Like, that is just great. That's 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 wonderful, right? Again, mm-hmm. very D and D ish type stuff. Yeah. Um so yeah, the like I said the paladin was fantastic. The fat dragon was was wonderful. Um that's an actual dragon in the in the in the, the game, by the way, and he there's an a whole adventure centered around him. Uh, mm. which is pretty cool. Um yeah, the Neverwinter is a is a big spot. Lord Neverember, the the leader of it, uh, you know. And I kept thinking, right off the bat, it said that uh, Forge, um, Hugh Grant's character, was now Lord of Neverwinter and had taken over as Lord Neverember fell ill. And I was like, wait, they just straight up took like one of the biggest characters of the Forgotten Realms and just tossed him off. And then after five seconds, I thought, oh yeah, that's how a D and D thing would start. It's like the villain has taken over for this big guy. Right. You know, and then now let's play I'm like, oh, that's that's how this works. So, yeah. um, I guess we come out of spoilers. I could talk all day about it. I really don't want to because just take the whole show. Sure. Um, uh, coming out of spoilers, I, I think uh, I, I, I love it. I, I said it in the spoilers. I love love the show. I hope that there's more because I mean, I really think they'll do well. Um, but because I liked I liked the adventure. I like it's like I want to play this little adventure and had a fun time with <laughs> friends. Not I want to play necessarily that adventure, but I want to I want to play with friends in that same kind of way. Um, and I'd love to see another, you know, a Forgotten Realms adventure, whether it had these characters or not. It doesn't have to be, you know. Sure. Uh, wh- whoever made this one got the right feel, got the right, you know, everything that you want to want to have. Um, and I want them to do it again. You know, maybe new characters even, yeah. just like just like D and D does, or 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 the other ones, and then you meet the other ones. Like that, that's how things work in the Forgotten Realms is that you you play and then you meet the other characters from another adventure, uh, right? Played before. So yeah, but super thumbs up for me. I would recommend it to just darn near everybody. Um, kids could watch it. I think uh, ten years old maybe or older. Yeah, and, there's not. I mean, there's there's combat and fighting, but there's not a lot of adult. Like, um, you know, language or or no. sexual content or anything of like that. That's all kind of implied. Um, yeah, super fun at most. F- yeah. Funny. There's funny slap slapstick jokes at times, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then and then there's enough for the older people to love it. And I and we were we didn't really say it, but we were in a crowd of people that loved it, so that we did have the whole effect of people, you know, laughing and and cheering or whatever. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, sure. That was good. And then we had our our friend group, obviously, that was there, and everyone liked it. So thumbs up for me. Go watch it. Uh, I, as I will say to on these kind of things, go to the movie theater and watch it because if you complain about movies not being good or they they don't make the things that you want anymore, it's because you wait for them to come to streaming on Netflix or whatever. Go to the theater, pay them some money. It's like twelve fifteen dollars. 
I know it's not cheap per se, but, you know, vote with your money and show that, you know, we want more of these kind of shows and, and it's your hobby. Uh, go, go do it. So what, what did you, you thumbs up on there? Thumbs down sideways. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot we were doing final, final thoughts. <laughs> I, I said most of what I would say again in the pre-spoiler um, um, segment. I speak for a kind of middle ground uh, person. I don't know nothing about D and D, but I'm also not, I would not consider myself a D and D nerd by any stretch in terms of the old lore in the world and all that. And, uh, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it fine. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, unless you have a real aversion to like fantasy magic wizards, dragons kind of stuff. Um, I think, I think you could find something here to enjoy. Oh, I will. I, I want, I think this is something important to add. Cause I, I did talk to one art. We mentioned Mike Pantinas earlier. I did speak to him and he wasn't a fan of this. Um, and, and I think I should, should mention that it's not a Lord of the Rings. Like, that's not what this is. No. Um, and, and I think some people may want a, a, a Lord of the Rings type epic adventure set in the Forgotten Realms. This is like Dennis said, this is like players sitting around a table playing an adventure. It's not like Aragorn going on an epic quest to, you know, find his kingdom or anything. It's it's not like that. Um, no, yeah. no. It's a little, that reminds me of your uh your thing wanting comic books to be more more mature and more serious um i understand that i can see that if you if you come from a history of of people associating D D with goofy kid stuff i don't have that i have the 80s moral scare thing but um Mm -hmm. you know i could i could see that it's it's definitely not um a drama Right, it's a yeah. it's a comedy. If you're if you're only using those two boxes, it's a comedy. Uh, there is drama, excitement, adventure in it, but it's it's much more it's much more Princess Bride than Lord of the Rings. Yeah, if I, if I you're right. If I had to, if I had to pick a box, I think adventure would be one. Mm-hmm. You said it. You know that that word. I think I think it was an adventure movie, um, but but leaning leaning adventure comedy but yeah one box i'd say adventure uh cool so we got next week uh you got something for me what are we gonna, what are we gonna do your turn yeah um we're gonna go back way back set the way back machine to like 1988 uh and watch an old classic anime film okay called akira i don't know anything about this movie except that it's old anime and I think it's about motorcycles because there's a famous motorcycle slide that is in yeah. everything. I, I I I do believe I've seen it. I remember nothing about it. I only have feelings, and those are sketchy because I don't remember <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I think I might have watched it because from from the standpoint of like everyone talks about this movie and and holds it up right. like it's the uh, the holy grail of, of anime. yeah and and i don't know if this is going to be like another uh evangelion thing where you know the people who like it or have a weird not weird i don't want to just disparage fans of of nge but you know the sort of like it impacted people at a certain time i think there's some some objective 
quality to it from what I've heard. But anyway. Right, but some, uh, some of those old ones have really great stories. I've seen some animes, uh, you know, right. that have some really cool stuff um, even now. So, yeah, I, that, that's good. That's cool. It's a good choice. I'm, I'm glad this was on the list, too, because I think it's one of those ones that we should watch. Even today, it, it, those things come up. That word comes up and, like you said, the motorcycle or something. It wasn't in, in uh, Ready Player One. Uh, I think she rides Akira's bike. Probably that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and um, I think he mentions it. Oh, she's it's that something 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 from Akira. I was like, there's that name again. So yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Good choice. It's one of those that's like in the pantheon. Anyway, it's on Hulu. Um, so that's our that's our pick for next week. Cool. Pick. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a whole lot to of time to talk, so we probably won't go into the, our things. We'll 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 save Ted Lasso, Mando, Picard for next week they're they're all kind of winding down they're on their they're close to the end of the their series each what six well, something of eight mando and picard ted lasso is not halfway done yet I don't oh think. that's right it's got we're, four. we're only like we're only like three or four episodes in right well which which is good because i you know I, although i think this season is supposed to be less episodes um oh yeah like that because they're making sad. them long they've made them instead of half hour they're like 50 minutes um, I don't like so, either of those things. Yeah, I was just going to say. I'd rather have more short episodes than than few long episodes. Unless they're really like HBO, you know, Game of Thrones, Last of Us sure. kind of stuff. But with a, with a comedy like Ted Lasso, I'd rather have like 30, 35 minute episodes at most. And, and, and as someone who just last week went back and watched uh, all the Ted Lasso things, I can attest that you're right. The, it, it, I mean, going wrong, this season has been great so far and we'll talk about it later, but... Um, yes, for the reasons, all the reasons you're saying, it was a wonderful thing about the first two seasons is, and why I was able to blow through them all so quickly because they were 30 minutes. And, <laughs> and in that yeah, 30 yeah. minutes, they do so much great things. Um, I, I do want to say for, for next week is that if we'll talk about Ted Lasso as we're going along, and it's going to deal a lot with, with Nate, the character of Nate, and, and it's right. worth going back and watching the, the first two seasons, especially the, the second season. Um, and I catch a lot of things that I really didn't catch before. Um, and it just, you know, I was really not a, like, ah, Nate, of course Nate is because he's just this. Uh, it's, it's oh, that's sad that Nate has come this way. But really, when you watch it, season two really shows you his, his development as it went through time. And everything about him, the little things that he does is like, oh, wow, yeah, this, is, this has been planned for a long time for him to have this character change. Um, yeah, I I did not. I'm not a I'm not a super rewatcher, but because I watched it all, and then my family watched it separately, and then we watched some of it together. I ended up seeing most of season two twice, and the and the same for season one. I may I may have seen almost all of season one and two twice, and in some cases three times. Um, and so I definitely got the chance to see like, um, the. Uh, this is spoilers for season two, but the relationship between Rebecca and Sam in season two mm-hmm. um, seemed out of nowhere to me. And then when I right. rewatched season one and even some of the earlier episodes in season two, I was like, oh, this they've been planting seeds for this from from very early on, like yeah. maybe from the beginning. Yeah. And it's just subtle because you're you're focused on all of these um, all of these other things going on around around Ted and and not not until it happens do you are you aware that they have been planting which is just great writing and mm-hmm. directing right and and, mm-hmm. and parts of those things with with Nate I think I remember the last shot in season two of him 
on the other team being a coach, he's got like gray hair. Um, and right. if you notice, he looks real young and he's got like black hair in the first season and he has mm-hmm. it at the beginning of season two and he slowly starts changing his hair. It's, I think it's, I think I'm wondering if it's intentional or if it's something that's happening with his stress, but he, cause he doesn't want to be known as the wonder kid. Right. Right. But, but, but the thing is, is that in season two, it's a gradual thing. It's not like overnight he turns into, I, I remember seeing it as a great, he just had gray hair, but, and you watch season two, it's, it's, it slowly starts happening. Like, yeah, which is a, a sort of it's, you know, it's taking you along the season from Ted's perspective, right? You don't notice the changes in Nate just like Ted doesn't. And it drives his his motivations such as we understand them. Yeah, yeah. Right? And and uh, I, I know that, you know, in real life now, the, the cast of Ted has come out and has been really vocal recently, cause obviously, because they're they're doing their tours and stuff. But they're unitedly doing. um uh I don't know, appearances and stuff uh, to support mental health um, and how important it is and to get the message out on that we need to work on mental health and such. And I thought, oh, that's that's a really nice thing. But we're watching season two and then also season one. I realized that I think the show that's what the show is. I think it is about mental health. Um, Obviously, Ted, for sure. But every character struggles with something that really is a, a serious thing and the show treats it very seriously. Um, yeah. and it's like, wow, wow, this is, and Nate, Nate being one of those, like, I, I want to point out one thing when early on in season two, Nate is treated poorly by a, a, a um, restaurant place that he needs a thing. That's that one episode of this thing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Rebecca gives him advice to, um, have confidence and such. And it's not something he does. And he gets ran over when he goes back there, but then kind of, escapes to the bathroom and he tries doing in the mirror what Rebecca does and it doesn't work and he just gets mad. So he does the, like he spits at himself in the mirror because he's so disgusted with himself. Yeah. And, um, and then he goes out there and gets angry and does the angry thing. And then all of a sudden it works like it works beautifully. You know, he, his, he gets the confidence, even though it's born of anger and self loathing in one instant, it worked. And it's all of a sudden, Life is wonderful. And then a couple times later, he does the same thing. He gets there and he gets so disgusted with himself that he just like spits at himself and Hmm. he goes out and becomes that person and it works for him. And I was like, oh man, this has all been trickled through the whole thing. Now the the last bit when he goes off on Ted is no surprise. Like he is just so... So that now, now, now that is his only thing that he can do. And what we're, we'll talk about next week, season three is, I think it's building into that. Um, and obviously Ted, Ted's a, sometimes a bit of a heartbreaker with, with the mental things that he deals with. So yeah, I'm, this show, I think it's just going to go down as a, a unique, uniquely beautiful show. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what we got this week. A lot, like I said, we more to talk about, but we'll, We'll launch into that uh, next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll have more updates on the shows. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 291. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. Uh, our buddy Fox has reviews up for the D&D movie and a couple other new things. Not so not, uh, not Mario. He, he I, I asked him about it. He's intentionally not going to do any of that, and, and he's going to watch oh. it with Nathan, and I think that's awesome of him. Nice, nice. I've been hearing good things about that as well, except from dumb critics who don't know what they're watching (laughs) uh if you would like to reach out to us via email with uh 
I don't know, your favorite old anime, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, frontporchpod, frontporchpodcast.com, and there are contact forms there. I will try to put show note links to all the games that we mentioned this week, board games. So you can check those out if you're interested. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot on those apps. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.